How many of you appreciate me just a little less because I had him play that noise uh, just at the end of that little video? Yeah, I, mean, I, I kind of have a strong reaction when I hear that noise, right? When I, when I have to wake up and do that, like I immediately just like my arm just wanted to reach out and like slam like that snooze button, like find it, right? You're, you're fumbling in the middle, you know, the middle of the morning trying to do that. We, we often have those, those visceral reactions. Now, there's a few of you who love to just jump out of bed in the morning. You're ready to go. You're ready to hit it. You're just like my four-year-old daughter who can wake up at any time, whether it's the middle of the night, and she's ready to go 100%. For the other 99% of us, like that song kind of create, or that, 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 that noise, that alarm, when it goes off in the morning, oh, man, it's that signal, right? It's time to get started with our day. It's time to go to work. All the things, all the responsibilities, all the things that get put on top of us, it it begins to happen, right? We're getting ready for another day. And maybe you've got kids like I do. And that means not just waking up to get yourself ready to go. It's all the things, getting your kids out the door, getting all the stuff that they forgot, getting lunches. There's just so much that comes when that alarm hits, all the weight of what we have to do in that day. It comes. And we feel that. Work is one of those things that all of us are probably have some experience with. How many of you are working like right now? How many of you, are, you have a job, you're working right now? How many of you have worked in your life? How many of you plan to work in your life? If you didn't raise your hands, I don't know what you're doing, but good on you. Uh, you've figured something out that the rest of us may not have. See, we all face uh, with lots of different challenges. And work is a lot of different things to a lot of different people in different stages of our life. Right? It means lots of different things in those places. But one thing that we can probably all relate to is at some point, you've probably had a moment where you found work to be frustrating, right? Where you've kind of like, oh, I'm just, I feel stuck. I don't know where this is going. I don't know why I'm having to do this. We can probably all, a lot of us just relate to that place. And when that happens, many of us want to define uh, our lives by being, okay, here's the things that I have to do. And here's the things that I want to do. And not very often does work fall into that category when we get into that place of frustration, right? So work can become this thing where it feels just like, it's just kind of the necessary evil that I have to do so that I can get done with that and do the things that I really, really want to do after that. We're frustrated. Why is that such a common experience for us? Why is it really important for us to talk about as people of faith? Well, first, we all spend a lot of time working, especially in our our most productive adult years, we spend, uh, the average is about 90,000 hours of our life working, right? And that's compared to only like 30,000 hours that we spend eating. I'm doing my best. I'm going to figure out if I can beat that record. I'm going to be above average, okay? So I think I can do that. But that's a lot of time. That's a lot of time that we're spending at something that we often are only thinking about how do we get out of it. We're pursuing the things that get us out. We're living for the weekend. We're living for that next vacation. We're trying to get away. See, work is something that's such a big part of our life, but we can also experience those places of frustration, pain, of hurt, of the coworkers, and all the things that we have to deal with when it comes to work. So we're going to talk about that today as we continue this series called Frustrated or Free, and we're looking about how God wants to bring transformation in every area of our life, and especially today in this area of work. And we're going to ask these questions of, does our work matter? You know, why do we often experience frustration in our work? And then how does work fit into God's best design for our lives? But let's start by praying. So Father, I thank you that you're here. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come to be our teacher today, to show us what you have 
to reveal to us your purposes when it comes to work. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there's good news, and the good news is that God does have a plan. God had this as a design for humanity, and that includes work. And, and God actually sets this example for us. We can go actually all the way back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, and we can begin to see God doing the work of creation. And this gives us, it begins to give us a clue of understanding how does God think about work? Because God's coming in and he's bringing, out of chaos, he's bringing order, he's bringing goodness, he's bringing beauty, and he's creating all of these things that aren't just something that for him, but they're also something for us, for humanity and all of the, all of the creation that, that he is creating in that moment. And then God begins to get, reveal to us what is, what is our purpose, right? He creates us first and he says we are made in his image to reflect who he is. And then he speaks to his, our design for our destiny, and that includes work. And in Genesis 2.15, this is what it says. It says, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it, And some translations actually say to work in the garden. So this is important. God is creating humanity with a purpose, with a design, and that includes this idea of work. And because we're to reflect who he is, our work should also include creating order and beauty and goodness in the world around us and for more than just ourselves. We do those things. Our work is important because it's work that affects the people around us. It affects the world around us and has the opportunity to do this. But what went wrong? Well, as we continue to read in Genesis, what happens is we see that sin enters the picture. And sin, when it comes in, it breaks this image-bearing template that God designed for humanity. And in that, it also breaks these things in our world And it specifically says that one of the consequences, the curses of sin, was that our work would now experience toil and frustration, that that would be part of it. And that's something that we're we're still experiencing today as we look at the ramifications of what happened. But there's good news, even for this, because the good news of Jesus, the good news of the gospel of Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection is that Jesus actually came to bring a solution to this problem. He came to restore our, our, our ability to image him, to fix that broken template in our lives so that we could again image God as we were designed to do. He also came to, to fix the curse that was placed upon the world, and that includes work. So Jesus takes that curse upon himself on the cross. And now our opportunity is to partner with Jesus to see that transformation begin to happen, to see that frustration that we often feel, to see the kingdom come in our workplace and in every area of our life because we get to partner with him to see that curse broken in everything around us. See, God wants us to experience a transformation in how we actually view and think about our work. He wants us to be free from the frustration that, that was the curse that was placed upon work. Right? And, and it doesn't mean that the goal is that we'll never experience those things, but he wants us to change how we approach and tackle those things with him and with the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're gonna read here uh, in the New Testament, uh, the apostle Paul writes in Colossians, he begins to write and talk about how we are to approach work and how we think about it. And so we're going to read Colossians 3, verses 23 through 24. And I want you to hear how it's changing our perspective about work. It says this, work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember 
that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. So there's some really important things that, that we're, we're pulling out of this. Because if we go back to the, the, the problem of sin, what's going to happen is we're going to look at one of the dilemmas that we face in our, in our, that's very common, is this idea of dualism where we begin to separate the secular and the sacred or the non-spiritual and the spiritual. And this, this idea of separation is called dualism. And dualism is when we begin to compartmentalize our life. So when we begin to compartmentalize our life, we think of our work life and our Jesus life as separate, right? We get frustrated uh, with some of the things about work, whether we don't understand what we're doing or why we're doing it or how it fits into our bigger destiny. So we just begin to separate those things. Right? So we might think about going to school or clocking in for work, and those things are our secular activities. And then maybe we're, when we come to church, we do spiritual activities, we do small group. Those are our spiritual activities. So what can we do? Right? Christians are supposed to have a different view of work. And this is what the Apostle Paul is telling us in here. We're supposed to work willingly at whatever we do. Work willingly as though we're doing it for the Lord, right? This isn't dualism, right? Dualism says those things are separate. This verse is telling us, actually, those things are always supposed to be together. There's nothing that we do that shouldn't also be part of the kingdom life that we're called to live. Everything is included in that. And we're to work willingly, not grudgingly. How many of us are guilty sometimes of feeling like work is just the grudging thing that we have to do, me included, I'm the only one raising my hand. You guys are amazing. Just incredible work ethic that we have. Why am I even preaching this message? You guys have already got it. See, that's, that's a big deal, though. Because the reason that we do that is because it's actually telling us who we work for. Did you know that, that God actually says that he's always in authority in every area of our life? God is our boss. Right? It says that he, you know, our master that we're serving is Christ. It is always that work that we are doing unto the Lord that matters. So everything we do as we work, we realize, oh, I'm living out that designed destiny to be the image of God in my workplace, in the school, in my home, in my community, wherever I'm at, I am part of that process of saying, I'm going to live that out. And that redemption comes in the workplace as we live out who we are in that place. And that's not easy, right? Because we have to have coworkers, maybe customers, a boss. Bosses don't look around at anybody shaking their hand in case you're going to church with doing your people, including me. But here's the reality. See, you can't control who you work with, but you can control who you are in the workplace. And that's the message that we, I want you to hear today. We don't separate who we are in Jesus, in our work, the spiritual and the non-spiritual. Spiritual. We begin to understand who we are and we live out that wherever we're at and whatever we're doing. We never stop being representatives of Jesus. It's all of our life. See, this, this other passage here says that, that, remember, the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. The interesting thing about that is the way that that's, that's phrased, if you look at it in context, the people reading that would have understood it's kind of like when, uh, when God prom- uh, talked about the promised land to the Israelites. 
right? He was looking forward to a future and something. In the same way, this is pointing forward to the future. And as Christians, our, our future as we look out is this future in heaven when Jesus returns again and we see that or when we're in that place with him. And the implications of this as a reward is that our work isn't just something we do for today. It actually has eternal implications of that the work we do, it matters for eternity. This is really important for us to understand. See, we were designed for work, and God wants us to experience this transformation in our life. He wants us to experience freedom from this place of frustration and fear that often want to creep in. All right. Well, some great ways that we want to be able to talk about some of these principles is to tell stories. And so one of the things we're doing, especially in this series, is we're telling lots of stories from amazing people uh, and real people who are in our church family today. And so today I'm excited to share uh, with Emily and Jared Harris. I'm going to invite them to come and join me. And we're going to do a little interview, and they're going to share some of their story uh, with you. And Jared and Emily are an amazing couple. They uh, serve here in, in Urbana. They've served in our School of Kingdom Ministry. Uh, they've served in small groups and our Kingdom Entrepreneur entrepreneur groups with business leaders and are also part of our prophetic community and helping to lead, uh, to lead in that. And so they have a deep passion to see God lived out in the marketplace. And they're going to share that that's not always an easy journey to get there, but I love their story. So I'm going to let them begin to share a little bit. So we'll start with a little background. Why don't you guys share a little bit uh, who you are, kind of where you grew up and how was work modeled for you early on? Hi guys, my name is Emily. I grew up in a Christian family, my dad was actually is a pastor, and uh, so he was an extremely hard worker. When I was in fourth and fifth grade, he went back to get his master's degree, and I remember his solution to how do I get homework and all my work done was to just pull one all-nighter every week, and so he just wouldn't sleep and then just truck on through uh, to the next yeah, to the next day. My mom was a stay-at-home mom by choice, and, and I remember her talking about it was an intentional decision, one that she felt like was from God that, that she needed to, for her family, not take a job but stay in the home. So I saw her prioritize work in the home as uh, just, you know, really important and worth kind of uh, tightening the budget for. My name is Jarrett Harris, and I grew up about 90 miles down the road in Pekin, Illinois. Um, Caterpillar Incorporated was, still is, but was especially the big employer in town. And so my dad, as a child of the 50s and 60s there, uh, his dream was to work at Caterpillar. So my dad worked at Caterpillar for 40 years until he retired several years ago. And uh, it was his dream job. It's what he wanted to do. And I grew up with an older sister, uh, three years older, and she always knew what she wanted to do. I never knew what I wanted to do. I'm still struggling with it, so we're making some progress. But work to me was always something that was uh, kind of noble and necessary, I would say. So it was, it was, it was very, you know, a strong work ethic instilled, um, but certainly me as a child, uh, as a young man and older man, never knew what I wanted to do. Medium-aged man. Medium-aged man. Medium-aged I like that. Medium-aged man. Somehow... Oh, you're right in the middle. Older than I was. Yeah. You're, we're all, every, every day, we're older than we were the day before. It's wonderful. <laughs> so talk a little bit about, again, how you began to experience direction and where you were going. Like, what was the next steps for you as you kind of progressed in that vision for your work and faith? Yeah, so in high school, our youth group 
just experienced a really sweet kind of revival season where we were spending a lot of time doing prayer meetings. We'd have them on Friday nights. We'd meet together and pray for like three hours then eat pizza together. And Sundays, we had like extended worship sets. And um, at the same time, I was really getting interested in fashion. I would watch old movies with my mom and I just loved the vintage fashion. We didn't have a lot of money, so we would go to Goodwill and um, just you know, go through the racks and find treasures. And I didn't know how to sew or draw, but I had a glue gun and safety pins and I would create some unique, uh, unique outfits. Um, so this was happening kind of side by side that I was growing my faith and then also just growing my love of fashion. So by junior year, really, if somebody asked me, what are you going to do when you grow up? What do you want to be? It was fashion designer, done. Right, and if you'd ask me the same question, and would be like, wait, I got to have an answer for this? Oh, I don't know. Um, no, my path was very complicated in that sense. Um, I had a lot of interests, and um, I never knew what I wanted. So, you know, high school ends, and you got to pick your next step. And so I, by default, went to Bradley University in Peoria, Illinois, and by default studied engineering. And I say by default because it's like that was there where there was financial provision and I could kind of do math. So that's what I did. Um, it wasn't a passion. It didn't have a real clear sense of direction, but it was something that I started in. Those four years in college, though, were, were just life-altering. And I uh, actually was working with the youth group that she was a part of. I worked for her dad, which is another complicated story for another time. Okay, yeah. Um, speaking of bosses. will be in a family, and, yeah, frustrated be, or free in your family. Right, we'll exactly. Or something like that. Um, but, <laughs> but I knew, you know, I, I, I just spent that time like really pursuing the Lord and kind of coming to the end of college and still really not knowing what I wanted to do. But I had one thing was clear was that I wanted to be a believer in the marketplace. Like that's the only thing I, I could tell you. And maybe even to this day is the only thing that I can tell you. So you have, when you grow up, you at least know that's what you want to do. I know that much. When you stop being medium. When I stop being medium age. A little right? large or something like that. I'm not sure how that, I'm not sure how that works. Okay. So you, that's, but that's your one vision. But in, in, the, in the meantime, you're saying, hey, I'm just going to follow what I can. This is what's available in right. front of me. Right. I'm just going to continue to go down that path. And so, yeah, go ahead. Well, and, and it got very um, frustrating okay. Um, okay. towards the end of college because I still didn't know what I wanted. And, you know, as I said, like I was very serious in my faith at that point. And there was a lot of really cool things happening in the kingdom. And so by default, what tended to happen was people would ask me what I want to do. I would say, I don't know. I was like, oh, well, you should go to seminary. And, and I, I, I didn't like that. Like, that was the one thing I knew I didn't want to do, and now you're telling me that's what I should do. But um, it, it struck me as just an odd assumption that if you are really pursuing Jesus, then what you need to do is to go to seminary and be a pastor. Mm. Um, and so I didn't, again, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew that wasn't it. Yeah, I can't certainly imagine anybody who'd want to do that. No, me neither. <laughs> Hard to imagine the crazy people that would say yes. So, so Emily, so you've got this, this journey. And again, I think that dualism is, is important, though, because like we talked about this idea of, of, even in the people who are giving you advice, there's that like, oh, if this, then you must go over in this direction. Right. But God's kind of pointing you in a different direction. Right. And what about you, Emily? Um, so it's very hard to be a fashion designer in the Midwest. There's just not a lot of schools. Um, like I said, didn't have a ton of money, but 
After Jarrett and I got married, I had my associate's degree, and we found a state school with a fashion design program, which was Southern Illinois University. And so we moved to Marion, Illinois. It was a three-year program, and I uh, just I loved it so much. Learned how to sew, learned how to draft patterns, learned how to make clothes, and uh, I felt like I was learning a language that I needed, um, and that previous to that, I. I couldn't express things that, that then I could. And my senior year, there was a design competition in Indianapolis, and I took four, four designs, and I won first, first place. And the prize was an internship in New York. So since junior year, I wanted to get to New York. That was kind of like, that was just in me. And uh, so we sold our house and moved to New York for a three-month unpaid internship. <laughs> Okay. It's good decision making. Yeah. It was great. All right. Those are yeah. those are the ways that we provide. So what's what's happening? You're you're going yeah, to New so York. In the meantime, yeah. So obviously we got married. Um, so a after school, I eventually found a job. Okay. Um, ended up working in finance for a research firm that sold information to like big folks on Wall Street. Okay. So it, you know, I worked remotely at the time. That was back before remote was like a thing at all. And so we moved to New York, and it was okay. So uh, you know still just figuring things out. This will be a good opportunity for me because a lot of our clients are out there yep. and we'll just see what life brings. Okay. So what progresses after that? You arrive in New York, you're in the unpaid internship, so you're pursuing the dream. That's coming there. Yes. Right? What, what's happening with, with faith and, and work as you progress at your time in New York? Well, um, so my internship turns into a job and so I start working for this designer and then I'm also kind of applying to other design jobs, and I immediately dislike the industry. I am frustrated by the fact that the design jobs have, don't have anything to do with creating. Um, it's more just knocking off designs. It's not sewing, drafting new patterns. And then um, the work hours, just 60, 80, 100-hour work weeks are very typical. And I could tell, you know, I didn't have kids yet, but I knew that the work-life balance was not going to work for me. And so, you know, I was just really frustrated. But we... Uh, we ended up, started going to a church, and um, the pastor of the church, a guy by the name of John Tyson, had a fashion roundtable. So he invited all the fashion designers in the church out to coffee, and he asked us this question. Uh, he said, how is God renewing the fashion industry? Mm. And I just, like, I, I guess I didn't know that God cared about the fashion industry, and I didn't know that he was renewing. I mean, it just was not a thought that I had ever thought. Um, but that kind of just triggered a series of, you know, now 15 years of um, just revelation, I would say. Like, he's, he began to talk to me about this plan for my life that was a way to be a fashion designer and a mom, and it was to start my own company with the idea that it would grow slowly so I could be kind of a stay-at-home mom, and then as my daughter got more independent, uh, I, the business would be at a place where it needed more of my attention. Okay, so you've got new vision, which is really, I think, a really important part of what you had. And for you, Jarrett, what's happening? Well, I'm still trying to figure it out. Still okay. trying to figure it out. And still trying to figure out what it means to be a believer in the marketplace. Yeah. And so I had a really hard time integrating those two things. Like, so what I did was just lean hard into both. And so what that looked like was we were involved with a church. Um, it was a church plant, actually. And, and so if anyone's been a part of a church plant, there's 
all kinds of jobs that you can do there. They will never not need your time in a church plant. So we just threw ourselves into that. So that, that meant, you know, uh, Sundays would be 12-hour workdays because it's New York, so you don't have a space, so you got to set up, you got to load in, you got small group content, you got everything. So there was just a ton of hours spent in that direction and a ton of hours spent in the work direction. And I think at the time, my work life didn't look like a kingdom life. And my kingdom life didn't look like a guy who was that engaged in his work life. Okay. So, and that's not to say, just to be clear, I wasn't, um, I wasn't living a, you know, like a two-faced life. I wasn't a bad person in the workplace. I didn't shy away from faith conversations, but it wasn't like the driving force. It wasn't inherent in my identity at work that this is a kingdom person. They were pretty separate. Yeah, so they're kind of running in parallel, but not right. really integrating in, in how they actually worked out together. That's that right. Process. Yep. Okay, so you've kind of got that tension that's beginning to build in that part of your life and... Yeah. yeah, so I um, started my company while working part-time for this designer because that funded then um, as we did branding and things like that. And eventually we had our daughter. And so then I quit my job with the designer and I started. I was, you know, a mom and I was a fashion designer. I tried different products to figure out, like, what do I want to sell and how do I want to sell it? I tried to solve, you know, how do I scale? How do I, how do I sell, you know, make more than just what, what I can make. And um, things just got hard and frustrating um, at the same time as motherhood was kind of all-encompassing. And so I, I started to shy away really from the business, kind of tucked it in a corner. Physically, it did not fit in my life. You know, we lived in a small apartment. The sewing machines had to go in the closet and come out every time that I wanted to sew. And at the same time, we were involved with this church plant that just needed a lot. And so my work hours became church um, volunteer hours, and I just got more and more plugged in to the point that I, I really was only a mom and a volunteer at our church. Yeah, and at that time, you know, again, continue down this path of just giving myself fully to these two things, and it was not a sustainable pattern. And so what happened was, uh, you know, I just began to physically shut down. So just pushing so hard into both of these things and not really seeing fruit and not understanding what to do. Um, crazy hours, no margin for anything. And so uh, eventually I just stopped sleeping, but not in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> not an all-nighter to get some work done. Um, no, I, I stopped sleep. My body just shut down. And for I, I went about eight days without sleeping. And... Um, wow. Your mind doesn't do great things after a couple days of, of not sleeping, if you've, ever, if you've ever been there. But just found myself in this, you know, this perpetual spinning motion and couldn't get everything to slow down. I couldn't keep doing everything. And so my body just kind of threw up the brakes and that was it. So we ended up booking one-way flights to Champaign, Illinois, where Emily's parents lived and still do live, to try to figure things out. So... Eight hours or eight days with no sleep. Yeah, yeah you're, you're literally hitting close to, as you said, the record. Yeah. I mean, a few hours a night and I'm struggling, you know, if I'm yeah. missing that. So I can't imagine. Yeah, it definitely that. was scary. And our church was, you know, doing laps around our apartment, praying over our building because we were trying to figure out, like, what is going on? What is going on? Wow. And then eventually we just, yeah, ended up moving in with my parents for a month. And we thought that would solve the problem, but he, he kept not sleeping. Yeah. So in, in that, just, just to be clear, we're, we're hitting this place where we've got all this tension that's happening that's pulling us in different directions. I think the important thing is remembering what has God called you to, this place of the marketplace. I'm going right. to be Christian right. in the marketplace. And that's feeling like it's not being lived out. 
as we're leading into kind of this essentially this place of burnout right. uh, that's happening, right? right. Uh, I think that, that you would express that too. Like your call was also tied in that being who you were, being who, a God yeah. follower in the marketplace, but that wasn't really seeing that. Yeah, so, you know, like I said, by the end of our time in New York, I, I wasn't around any non-Christians and I really wasn't doing a lot with my brand. And so shortly after we moved home to Champaign, um, Jarrett and I were having a conversation and he just said to me, like, you aren't happy. You haven't been happy for a long time. And I don't think there's anything I can do about it. And he was exactly right. Um, and so I started seeing a Christian counselor and really tried to figure out like, what is going on? Um, and pretty immediately she kind of put her finger on some things and I, I began to work again and, and working immediately started balancing everything else. So I found that there was rest from motherhood in work and that there was rest from work in motherhood. And there was like a synergy there. Well, we talk about, you know, that season of coming back from New York and it was a licking the wounds season. And um, I mean, as, as Emily indicated, we, we, we had hoped that, okay, we're going to kind of put some distance between ourselves and this place and that's going to it's going to solve things, but things just kept getting worse, really. And so, you know, we both kind of hit rock bottom at different times. And we're searching for churches at the time. And, uh, you know, we visited a couple and had great experiences with, with places and, and eventually ended up at the vineyard. And you know those words they put up at the end of every service? Like, we were up here every week. Like, it was like, at least <laughs> one of us. It was like, and you, <laughs> so like, it get to the end, of, okay, is that you or is that me? Oh, it's both of us this week. All right. <laughs> we're both going up there. Um, so the, the child care people probably like learned our names pretty quick. Like, these are the people that never pick up their child on time. Um, which is a reminder, please do at the end of the service. It's not well, an excuse for anybody. Well done. Taylor, um, Taylor will you, pay you well for that you. one. Yeah. So, yeah, so we, so, so we end up here at the vineyard, and I would come up, I mean, it seemed like every week, and every week somebody would be like, oh, and, and like as that little parting shot at the end, like, have you thought about the School of Kingdom Ministry? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I saw some people talk about that, and I immediately decided I don't want to do that. So, yeah, I've, I've heard about the School of Kingdom Ministry. Um, but enough people said it, and I was desperate. Okay. I was desperate. And so... You know, that season, I, I, so I ended up going to the School of Kingdom Ministry, and I think that was the 2019 to 20 season. And, you know, as I, as I tell it to people, like, that was not something that I did with the wind at my back. That wasn't something that I entered into because, like, I'm doing so well right now, and now I just need these more tools to arm me for what's next in life, so I'm going to go to the School of Kingdom Ministry. It was a Hail Mary pass. Mm right? As somebody who grew up in the church, like I had never, and even in that season, did not, um, did not contend with the question, does God exist? But I definitely contended with the question, does, does God matter, right? Is he actually active? If I can come through the season that I've seen, that I've been through and feel like, you know, we left it all on the field and just, you know, got our tails handed to us and, you know, moved back to central Illinois, I've got to know that there's something happening here. And so that's what ultimately led me here and to the School of Kingdom Ministry. And I mean, I don't want to say it was just that school. There were a lot of things going on, but, but that really was a transformational experience for me. Okay. You begin to experience some freedom in how you think. You begin to see some freedom and begin to put the tools together to do what I'd never done, which is to live the kingdom in the workplace. Mm. 
That's These right. are not two separate things. They are meant to be together. That, as you said, work is not a punishment, but it has been corrupted. So how do I bring the kingdom into my workplace? Really good. It, it, almost like you're, you're answering the question that was asked of Emily, like, what is God doing to, re, to bring renewal in the place where I work? Right. Which is really good. And so, right. Emily, what's, what's God doing in you through this process? Yes, yeah, so when we... Um came back to Illinois and we go to church all of a sudden I found I was getting my phone out and like making notes and they were always about fashion it was like as soon as I was in worship I started getting like just these thoughts and so I started writing them down we came to the vineyard then in 2018 and um just so many amazing tools and 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 um, trainings here, but Sockham being one of them. Um, but through those, God was really like training me for uh, my work. It was always like focused towards fashion. And so in 2018, when we started coming here, it coincided with me bringing a new product to my line, which is my main product now, which is an elastic waist skirt. And I just do different versions of these skirts because I believe women should be comfortable in their clothes, that um, the fashion industry does a really terrible job at making functional fashion that we can take care of, that we can feel empowered in. Um, and so really my, my journey with the vineyard and being here has kind of been coinciding like with my, with my product to the, the point now that, um, I have like a, I've been working on like a global supply chain. So I don't know, most of the clothes that are made and sold in America are made by people that are living, um, below the poverty line that are not paid, um, a, f- a fair wage for making our clothes, but I'm able to work in the fair trade sphere. So I'm I'm um, designing fabrics and skirts that are then being manufactured in rural Bangladesh and India by women and men paid a fair wage with childcare provided at their employment with free lunch in a safe working environment. So you've got this vision, again, that starts with what is God doing to renew the fashion industry? And I love how this fits in with like what God's design is for work, that he's not just giving you this, this vision for how you live in, in the fashion industry, but for all of those pieces together, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, I, you know, he's bringing change at scale to the fashion industry. Mm. And so to be a part of it, like I really had to, my mind needed to be renewed to understand that I'm like a small part in a huge thing that he's doing, which has been amazing to see. But when when God is bringing his kingdom at scale, it's like we can misunderstand it sometimes because we don't understand how we are fitting into it. And sometimes it can be years, yeah. you know, where you're not necessarily seeing the fruit of, of what you're hearing from God, but it's just yeah. not there physically. Yeah. I joke about not knowing what I want to do, um, but I do know now what it looks like to some degree, I've tasted what it is to live a kingdom life in the workplace. And, and I almost think that that question, and maybe this is like a societal thing of that, you know, what do you want to do? Like lock in, understanding who you need to be, yeah. is a question that God doesn't put as much weight on as we do. Because I, I, would, I would almost feel in this moment of my life that like, I don't know that God cares what I do mm-hmm. in some ways. That it's not this like, 
combination, and if I get the right set of things, it's going to unlock something new. But it's this, are you experiencing me? Are you bringing an encounter of me to the people around you? Really and so, you know, in the last several years, it's just totally rewired how I think about things and, you know, have had the opportunity to, to pray with people in the workplace. I've had the opportunity to counsel people. Um, as we've been preparing for this series, my company has actually had a very difficult season. I've been laying people off in the last two weeks, not by my choice, but entering into these conversations and asking myself the question, how do I bring the kingdom to this moment right here? Like, I'm not smart enough to put the whole thing together, yeah. but what can I do in this moment that's going to express the love of Jesus, that's going to um, affirm someone in their identity beyond the fact that they don't have a job at this place anymore? And so I, I have, you know, back to that point, I, you know, I, I joke about not knowing what I want to do, but I don't think God's uncomfortable with that. Yeah, I think that's really important to, to capture that it's, it's less about what you do, but God's showing you who you are while you do it. Right. Yeah, that, that's really good. Yeah, he is so interested in us, you know? So like we put so much emphasis on our works. We base our worth on our works. And he's mm -hmm. like, I don't, that's not, it's about you. It's about your heart. But he can do both at the same time. You know, he can bring change mm -hmm. and renew an industry while also being deeply concerned with you. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Would you guys give them a hand for, for sharing with, with what we're doing today?